This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by TouringPlans.com. Head over to TouringPlans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the Crowd Calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the Touring Plans to save time and money waiting in line. TouringPlans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Welcome again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast. This is the show where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company, and we wish you a happy holidays, because today we're talking about films of the holidays, and one in particular, The Santa Claus. Uh, I am your host, Ryan Kilpatrick, and along with these fine folks, we run DisneyFilmProject.com, where we talk about the films we discuss here on this podcast. You can go read show notes, you can read Blu-ray reviews, you can read reviews of the old shorts. It's all kinds of great stuff. If you love Disney movies and content and short cartoons, you need to go over to DisneyFilmProject.com and see what's going on over there. Joining me, as always, my fine friends who help run that site, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a blogger over at TouringPlans.com. He is Chief Technical Officer at DisneyDrivenLife.com, and he is working at OnTheGo in MCO.com, and I believe he invented the Clausometer. Is that correct, Mr. Perlmutter? The Clausometer, yes. yes. I also helped make that cookie and cocoa thing. See, that's what Todd invented, was the cookie and cocoa thing. Because that's awesome. And the time-traveling thing, too, that they would discuss as well. That's right. Oh, it's it, the wormhole thing that uh, when, when Charlie's talking about getting in the sleigh? Yep. I, yeah, I, I kind of coached him but told him what he could and couldn't legally mention. Right. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's top secret work, but you'd have to – and when he messes it up, you can then go back in time and fix what he actually said. So it's all good. Yeah, and you bet I did. Yes. Also joining us, we have Miss Brianna Alessio, who you can find over at Adventures of Brie at adventuresofbrie.blogspot.com. Uh, how are you this evening, Miss Brie? Happy holidays to you. And happy holidays to you as well. I'm doing fantastic. How are you? I am busy, busy, busy. Yeah, I hear you. There, there's lots of Christmas movies to watch. I know, way too many. It's ugh, there's just there's so many I haven't seen yet. A Charlie Brown Christmas um, aired the other day, and I didn't get a chance to sit down and watch it. I don't know if it's going to be on again. I am sure it will. I am sure it will. And as always, you heard the voice, uh, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, the editor, producer, scheduler, wrangler, cat herder who makes this show what it is. How are you this evening, Miss Cheryl? I'm doing good. Did you see that, that Hanukkah video I tweeted out, Ryan? I did not. Oh, I'll have to retweet it for you. You you should, yes. Yes. Um, I wish I had your problem, Bray. Unfortunately, there's like one Disney Hanukkah movie and then maybe <laughs> a few more. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> there should be yes. more. There, I, I would agree with that. After seeing Full Court Miracle, there should be more Hanukkah movies. I would watch the Hanukkah movies, and I'm not Jewish. So I'm just saying they should put yeah. more out. Same here. Yes, it is the holiday season again, and today we discuss one of Disney's most successful, I would say probably their most successful holiday film, The Santa Claus from 1994, starring Tim Allen, 
which spawned two, I will go on a limb and say regrettable sequels. Um, yeah, they're, they're not, their sequels are not bad movies, but they're not on par with this movie. No, not at all. Can I say I first thought of another sequel they could do during this movie? Oh my. Yep. And that I like watching this movie because I like watching the watching three, and then watching this, and then you can see like what they what they decided to filter in and out of three was interesting. Hmm. I don't remember much about three. I have to answer, I have to say. Oh, Martin Short comes and tries to take over the hol- holiday, basically. Oh. Yeah, I remember that, but ugh. So, um, and I also want to say, if you're looking to watch this, apparently ABC Family is doing 24 Days of Christmas, and for three of them, they're doing Santa Claus one, three times, three three different nights. Wow. <laughs> Our friend Tom pointed that out to us. I think it might even be more than three nights. I, I was going to say, when you said 24 Days of Christmas, I was expecting 24 Days of the Santa Claus, because that's typically what they do. Uh, if you, if for some reason you're not able to do that, you can also find it on Amazon Instant Video for 99 cents. Yes. So, yes. Very, very easy is that, to watch this. Is that how we all watched it? Was on Amazon Instant Video? Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Amazon. Yes. Good call. It, and and by the way, if you guys, um, we've mentioned before, Disney movies online is shutting down at the end of the year. And in fact, they've actually pretty much removed all the movies from that. And they were charging two ninety nine, I think, for the base price for rentals on there, or $1.99. Almost all of the movies that were there are now on Amazon Instant Video. Do, so do, I mean, you know like, why they, do you know why they shut down? Because people weren't using it? No, no, no. Uh, Disney recently just cut a deal with Netflix, and all the Disney movies will be on Netflix. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's why they're shutting it down. Very good to but know. They're also going to be on Amazon as well, probably. Yeah, no, no, they're going to still remain on Amazon. I think Netflix just ended up with the same deal Amazon has. Can yeah. I just say I'm glad they're not touching the rewards website because I have so many points right now. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah. Oh yes, you. I have more points than you. I'm saving for that. I'm saving for a stay at Arter Animation. Nice. It's <laughs> awesome. a good thing to save for. Yeah. All right, but back on back on uh, on topic. The Santa Claus tells the story of Scott Calvin, uh, who ends up becoming the new Santa Claus. And and I have to say, I saw this movie in the theaters back in 1994 when I was in college, no less. And I love it because unlike other movies, it is a movie that is full-throated defense of Santa because there are too many movies out there that try to pretend that mom and dad are doing the stuff from Santa Claus, and this movie tells you the truth. That's right. The one and only truth. That's Preach. right. Yes. They even address the rumors about mom and dad being involved in the whole Santa thing straight on and put it to bed that, in fact, you know, Santa Claus has it under control. I, I like that about this movie. You can watch it with your kids, and they can enjoy it. And they understand, and it explains so much about about why Santa is able to do what he does, like we and, talked about the time machine, and how he lives so long, and all those things. Exactly. Yeah. I have an explanation for everything, and I think that rocks. <laughs> oh, they really did cover their bases. 
Yeah. Uh, what I like, though, is it's not like sappy Santa, though. It's like, you know, gritty Santa. So. He's pretty What? Yeah. He's a hardcore Santa. He is. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. But not, not too hardcore. Well, no, we there... can't. Yeah, there there are Santa movies out there that are very hardcore. We don't want to well, get that confused. <laughs> yes. Uh, the other the other thing I really really enjoy about this is the attention to detail in this movie, um, which you don't have to pick up on to enjoy it. So I, like I said, I've watched this every Christmas since it came out in 1994. I've watched it every every year, and. It's only in the last few years that I've picked up on some of the hidden details that there are in the movie. Uh, and, and there are a lot of them that we'll talk about as we go through it. But sure. they, took, they took a ton of time, it seems, into putting all sorts of holiday references and weaving the plot throughout the movie. And not just – at first it seems like this is a very loosely plotted movie and that it's not very – it's not all that well thought out, I guess I would say, if you just take it on the surface. But when you start digging a little deeper and see all the layers that they've put into it and the detail, it seems like they really, really thought this out. So, like I said, the story of this movie is about uh, Scott Calvin, who's played by Tim Allen. It is He is teaming up in this with his what, – what I call his personal director, John Pasquin, because Pasquin directed Home Improvement. He was a producer on Home Improvement. He directed this movie – he directed Jungle to Jungle, and he's now a producer on Last Man Standing, the yeah. show that Tim Allen does. I mean, the guy basically just follows Tim Allen around, which is not a bad gig if you can get it. Or vice versa. We're unsure. Yeah, it could be. could be both. Yeah. Yeah. Now, something we – I one, one, of, one of us I, – I don't think I was the one that promised our friends we would discuss this, but I think someone did um, – is that um, – I. I was, I'm surprised they, they, you know, with Tim Allen, I don't know if Tim Allen had drug problems back then. Um, he, did, I, he did early on, yes. Yeah. In, I was, before I was, his career started, yeah. I'm very surprised that they picked him because of that. Maybe his buddy, the director, helped getting him. Oh, well, actually, uh, Disney made an exception to hire him because Disney had a long-time standing rule that even for their movie roles, they would not hire anyone who is an, an ex-felon, and he was an ex-felon at the time. Yeah, this is the first time Disney has had, and to my knowledge, ever since, has had an ex-felon on, on the payroll. I totally thought you guys were saying ex-villain. I was going to say what? <laughs> yes, he is actually Loki. I don't know if you knew that, but Tim no, Allen... Buzz, Buzz, Lightyear, but Buzz Lightyear suddenly went, went rogue on you, Brie. Buzz Lightyear meets reindeer games. He is, he is Zerg's <laughs> son. Oh, did I spoil that? Oh, oh you did. <laughs> that's okay all right but so the the movie actually opens with a, an office party uh where scott is where, where we're introduced to scott the the character of tim allen because he's a he's an executive with a toy company so he's an, he works on their marketing campaigns uh and he's getting credit for all the stuff but what i love is like the the movie opens with this long tracking shot of of santo of a of just basically you see santa's feet walking through the building which is the beginning of a motif that goes throughout the entire movie of represent different representations of santa are seen just everywhere that's one of the details that i really love is just every time looking to see if i can find a new one because they're all over the place throughout the movie mhm 
Yeah, the the other thing that's interesting is like, um, well, it's not it's not in this scene, but like in in a few scenes throughout the movie that are not at uh, Santa's workshop, you still see the elves all over. Yeah, there are five of them throughout the movie. Uh, that that you see before we out, like you said, outside of uh, outside of the North Pole, which is just it's a fantastic little touch because it's like you know the elves are all around us watching and making sure things are going according to plan. It's so cool. Yeah, Actually, kind of creepy. Sorry. <laughs> well, that's like what we were saying that they pay such good attention to detail in this film, and like with the elves, you know, who would think? Yeah. It's better than Elf on a Shelf. Can I just say that? What is Elf on a Shelf? Wait a minute. I don't know about this, and I hear this it's like a million so, times. It's so disturbing. It's like this creepy little elf doll that you can put above your fireplace, like on the mantle or something, or just in your house somewhere. And he's creepy, and I think when you go to bed at night, it comes alive and watches you sleep. And Well, the idea is that is that the Elf on the Shelf... Uh, during the, is is there to watch the children and like it's Santa's outpost. You know what I'm saying? And so as as Bree said, he sits on the on the mantle or on the shelf or whatever. But then at night he he wakes up and he does some sort of mischievous thing. Exactly, that's creepy. I I I completely agree. Totally yeah. creepy. Basically, you just said Santa has a spy network of dolls on people's shelves. I didn't say I agree with it. Okay. I just said that's what's out there. Okay. Yeah, it is. Right. Just checking. It's 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 out there. I'm just saying. I know that's more prepping landing than yeah. Santa Claus, though. Santa has his own mysterious ways, as we as we find out in the movie, because <laughs> uh, Tim Allen. We we get a, a nice insight into his character when he's driving home from this Christmas party uh, to go to his house because he calls his ex-wife. Uh, he's supposed to meet his son, and he calls his ex-wife and is talking about how there's so much traffic, and he can't believe he's running late, and all this kind of stuff. And meanwhile, the shot is of the road, and there's no one on the road. <laughs> kind of shows you the guy he is before he, he starts going through the whole magic of, of Christmas phase. Yeah, he also does one of those last-minute exit, take the right exit on the right from the left-hand lane things on the highway. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. <laughs> Uh, it, it, but he, he gets home and, and his wife, ex-wife drops off uh, his son, Charlie. Uh, and there's a big discussion because Charlie has been told by Neil, his, I'm, I'm assuming stepfather. They have, they didn't actually say whether or not the two are married, but I'm assuming they are. They're, they're credited as with the same last name. So they're married. Perfect. There we go. So Neil and, and Charlie's mom and have told him that there is no Santa Claus because they don't want him to carry I believe the term is unrealistic delusions or something of that nature because Neil is a psychiatrist. Let's get that out there. I think part of the problem is there was, there was an incident at school. Yes. That kind of also pushed it. I think, I think she would have been letting from what we know of her, she would have been letting it to go a little bit longer, but since instead of school seems to push the thing along. So yes, that is correct. And, that happens all the time, I might add, as the father of two children. My, my kids, especially this time of year, come home all the time, and, and kids, other kids at school have been like, oh, Santa Claus isn't real. I'm like, seriously? Come on. Yeah. What's the matter with you people? He's totally real. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, there, 
Scott's not happy about this because even though he himself is not quite sure what what the story is with Santa Claus, he doesn't. He's like, you know, let the kid be a kid and let him believe, right? And there's an argument about that, and frankly, about anything you can imagine because they're two divorced folks, uh, which ends with Charlie interrupting and saying, "Why do you guys have to fight all the time?" And uh, the ex-wife leaves, and so she is uh, leaving him there with Scott for for Christmas Eve. So that they can have a, a Christmas time together, um, which for Scott is a disaster because he cannot cook. Um, he is not exactly the, the world's greatest father, so he burns the turkey, and and they end up going to Denny's, which is where we see one of the elves. <laughs> I, I like that at Denny's they get stuck in the in what I call the dad's room because it's all the dads and yes. their kids. Yes. But as they're as they're walking in, there's an elf that's putting on his jacket and his scarf that walks out behind them. Yeah. Ah, oh, I didn't even catch that, but yep. cool. And there, the the first elf is actually seen. There's a scene as Scott is driving through the town, try, bemoaning the traffic. There is a toy window where the kids are looking in, and there's an elf looking in the window there too. Yeah. Yeah. So see, they they watch everything just like the elf on the shelf, but they're not as creepy, so I'm okay with that. Yes. I think that's correct. Can we discuss the crazy controversy? Please do. <laughs> well, we all watched the um, the version that doesn't have it edited out because we all watched it on Amazon. At least my version did not Amazon, so I presume you all guys didn't either. But when Laura hands Scott his uh, Neil's parents' phone number, he says he recognizes the number and he goes one eight hundred spank me. Yes. Yes. Okay. So. The controversy is about that number, which is not surprising, all things considered, right? <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> so that that phone number was actually – it was removed from the DVD release in 2000, and it wasn't on the 2002 release, which I think was the last release before the recent release was the 2002 one. I believe you are correct, yes. Okay, because it was just recently released this past October on Blu-ray, so um, – and in uh, 1997, this is why it was removed, folks. Th- there was a mother claimed, and apparently was able to prove that her 11-year-old son phoned the number and racked up a $400 phone bill because it referred him to a 900 number that was a little bit uh, different. <laughs> that was not the Santa Claus hotline. That was not no, the was Santa not. Claus hotline. <laughs> it was not um, one that I would advise anyone calling. That's right. We're not saying call this number. Um, Do not call the number, in fact, we'll say. Yeah, I would agree with that, yes. <laughs> I'm saying that now. If yeah. you call that number, you are at your own peril, folks. Do not do it. <laughs> it, was, it, it was also jokingly changed to 1-800-POUND for the TV uh, re, you know, version of the movie because Spank Me would never have fl- flown in 90s television land. Yeah. So, but I, why pound? Nobody knows. Oh, I don't want to think about that. I don't know. <laughs> it is disturbing, yes. Yeah. yeah. And when did the rule that they had to give um, non-working phone numbers come out? It's never actually been a rule. It's just okay. been a practice. Yeah. Okay. It's usually, usually everything starts with a uh, 555 exchange because that doesn't exist. But Yes. Or Klondike 5. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
But uh, so Scott manages to get Charlie through dinner at Denny's. He manages to uh, where where their waitress is Judy and informs them that everything is out, like eggnog and pumpkin pie and chocolate milk. Uh, he manages to get him home. He reads him "Twas the Night Before Christmas," or at least portions of it, because Scott, being not the greatest father in the world, tends to skip over it when he thinks Charlie's asleep. And can I just say that this is one of my favorite scenes when he is trying to explain how the reindeer can fly. First he says they have horns, then he says they move fast, they're weightless. His description of like everything that the reindeer can be, and like he just ends with they're weightless. They're weightless, yeah. And uh, and it never gets actually answered in the movie, which is kind of something I like. Yeah. Right? Yes. He makes all this stuff up, but by the end of the movie, after all is said and done, we never actually know how the reindeer fly, and I think that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Yeah. I think both Santa should know that, honestly. I agree. I agree. I mean, if you watched Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer the other night, I mean, you know, it, it could be because they're in love. That's, that's what happened to Rudolph. That's how he flew. That's right. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I'm just yeah, I'm just thinking of how they learn how to fly with the nuts, right? So. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Who knows? Charlie focuses on the line "arose such a clatter," though. That's what like kind of ticks this all because he does. He thinks he he thinks his father says a rose-colored ladder. Yeah, a rose such a ladder is what he thinks it is. Okay. Yes. It, like. Rose like the flower and such a S U C H A K. When the line from the poem is, and out on the roof a rose such a clatter. Um, however, I would like to point out that that eventually we we see that Charlie was correct. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I think I think like sometimes you hear from from screenwriters that sometimes they come up with a gag or a, a bit and then they figure out how to fit it into a movie or how to build a movie around it. I think they, they, the screenwriter came up with that line and then figured out how to build a movie around it. You think so? That's I possible. do. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have any proof of that, but it's just one of those things that you come up with and you think, wow, that's clever. It is true. See, like usually when you get um, – like you can find a script for this online no problem because it's an old enough movie. And usually though when you can find the script, you can also find like an explanation of how the script came to be, You know, like what was the impetus for the movie and stuff like that. Yep. And I couldn't find any specifics towards that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. No, I have I, – I, I, I'm not basing that on anything, but you know, I'm just – it just sounds good. That's all I'm basing it on. Let's put it up on Wikipedia. I think we should. Wait, I'm doing it now. <laughs> okay. Perfect. Uh, so they all go to uh, – Charlie and Scott go to sleep uh, after having this long discussion, like Bree said, about how reindeer fly and how does Santa work and all this kind of stuff. Because Scott doesn't want to tell him there's no Santa because he, deep in his heart he knows the truth. There is. Uh, and he puts Charlie to bed, but – Charlie's woken by a noise on the roof, and he goes to get Scott, who doesn't believe him at first, uh, until he hears the noise. And when Scott runs out uh, into the snow and looks up on the roof, he sees the reindeer, the sleigh, and Santa, and sort of exclaims, hey, you up there. Unfortunately, um, that causes Santa to slip and fall off the roof, um, and that subsequently kills Santa Claus, which I would think is probably the worst thing that's ever been put in a Disney movie. <laughs> they play it off very well, though. 
They do. Like, it's not a dark moment. It's right. funny. But I'm just saying, like, stop and think for a second that in a Disney film, they killed Santa Claus. They yes. did. Well, he didn't really die, though. He faded away. And if you remember, even when he's still on the ground, he's not dead because he, like, waves out of the yes, snowbank. So he And then he just kind of fades away. So whether he actually died or not, you don't know. It's implied. I think they're sure just where they have to, like, retire. And they retire by disappearing, and they go to North Pole Heaven. North Pole Heaven? Yeah. Actually, it, that is true regarding the retirement. Because when the Santa Claus 3, they go back and they there's a snow globe room, and they have every single snow globe for all the Santas that have that, been. That's right. They do address that in the in the third movie. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. I don't it's, know that it's worth watching the third one just to see that, though. Actually, to fast forward just to see the special effects in that room probably are. Other than that, not really, no. Yeah. Uh, so Scott, uh, Charlie runs out, even though Scott told him to stay put, and they, they investigate what's going on. And like you said, Todd, as they're trying to figure out what's going on, they're, they're looking into the street, and when they turn around, Santa has faded away, and just the suit is there. Uh, and Scott is just wandering around the snow trying to figure out what's, what hap- what's going on, and he bangs his head into the Rose Suchuk ladder, which appears Wait, out of nowhere. You forgot the important thing. They find the – he grabs the wallet first. Yes, you're right. He does. He looks for the guy's wallet, and he finds the card that just says Santa Claus North Pole. Or at least he thinks thinks that's all it says. On the back, it says, if something should happen to me, put on the suit. The reindeer will will know what to do. Yes. I love Uh, that. But yes, he he bangs his head into the Rose Suchuk ladder, which Charlie climbs up, and it says, literally it says on there, Rose Suchuk Ladder Company. Uh, and they climb up, climb up on the roof, and, and there's the sleigh, and there's the reindeer, and the reindeer are labeled, which I think is very helpful. Indeed. Because then you know to call Comet by his name. Uh, and I haven't been able to find – Have you? these are not real reindeer. Right? They are. Well, are they? okay. Um, so I think when they're up close, they're not, but in a lot of the scenes, there are actually real reindeer. Uh, the movie was filmed in Toronto, and the, the zoo that they go to is actually the Toronto Zoo, and the Toronto Zoo actually has reindeer, and those reindeer were in the movie. Not right. just not just the scene where they're following them on the street either. They were used at other points in the movie. But like the close-ups of Comet, etc. Are probably animatronic, yes. Gotcha. Okay. Have you guys seen a reindeer up close before? Personally? One time, many years ago. I did too. No. It's pretty cool. I believe you. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't remember. I would be able. I would. I. But I. I think it's pretty cool. I don't remember. I just remember wanting to ride it. That would be pretty neat. I couldn't though. You know. Yeah. Kind of like a dream of wanting to ride a unicorn. It'll just never come through. So they're, when they're on the roof, they're trying to figure out what to do. Charlie wants Scott to put the suit on because that's what the card said to do and scott of course is arguing against it and does not want to do this as i would i would point out that as the audience you're rooting for him to put the suit on but as a rational human being you would not do that in this situation am i right put the suit on i don't know why not Uh, (laughs) oh okay i'll ask it this way ryan you find iron man's suit are you going to put it on? No. Heck yes. 
crazy. No, that thing would kill you in a heartbeat. What would Captain America suit? Okay, yeah, probably. There you go. <laughs> I would totally put on a Black Widow suit. Bree, I found that for you. You should totally, you should totally buy that for you. I know, but I need somewhere to wear it. <laughs> I'm th- I'm thinking you could you would come up with a place. Oh yeah, I think he's not so scary. Halloween party yeah. next. Yeah, totally. Uh, <laughs> and unfortunately for Scott, he gets in the sleigh looking for something to figure out what to do. Um, and he tells Charlie, you know, he's trying to get Charlie out of the sleigh, and he says, "Let's go," uh, which the reindeer take as their cue to start flying off uh, and take him to the next house, where Charlie finally convinces him to put the suit on. Uh, he does so, and the the Santa sack floats him into the chimney, down the chimney, where he suppo- where he pulls the toys out and leaves them under the tree, uh, kind of in disbelief the whole time. Yeah. And, and then, I have to say that one of my favorite moments in this film is when he goes down one of the first chimneys, and Charlie says, you're flying, and he says, it's okay, I'm used to it, I lived through the 60s. Yes. <laughs> I that so much. <laughs> well, it's we should talk about like Tim Allen, I think makes this movie because this like I said before, from a plotting standpoint, it, the plot is fairly simple. Yeah. Right? And and the 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 actual lines themselves are not entirely inspired, I wouldn't say, but no. it feels like he he puts forth a performance with lines like that that I can only see coming from him. Exactly, which is why it's it's a good thing that they ended up not getting Bill Murray for the role, which is what they originally who they originally were gonna have for it. Um, I mean I'm a huge fan of his, love Ghostbusters, Groundhog Day, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. But I think this role was made for Tim Allen. Yeah, I agree. I mean I think I think his performance is what elevates it above what could have been very forgettable fare. I agree. Like, like imagine Judge Reinhold as the Scott Calvin character instead of Neil. No, I can't. I don't want to. <laughs> <laughs> That's wrong. <laughs> yeah, that wouldn't have been a good movie is what I'm saying here. So he, he delivers the toys there, and then you know they're trying to figure out what to do next, and, and the sack that he brings up is empty, and then... The next second, he turns back to the sack, and it's got stuff in it. They go to another house, and uh, there's no chimney, which answers the age-old question. If there is no chimney, how does Santa get into the house? And we see the answer in that the magic sack sort of shoves him through the tube, the vent tube for the radiator, and a fireplace appears out of nowhere, which that's my favorite magic trick in the whole film. That's pretty cool. Also, I want to walk in fireplace like that. Hey, it had like a teapot and scones. I, yeah. I'm just saying, most people want to walk in closet. I want to walk in fireplace. <laughs> I think we should have both. I, I just I think the fireplace is more festive. That's all. It's a nice little cubby. Like, you can just put your, your wreath and all little Christmas decorations next to your stones. Yeah. I mean, like, you put a little put a little uh, piece of pine in there, and you get that nice scent going through the house without actually having to burn it. Can you imagine, like, sitting in a little cubby and eating a piece of pie and, like, drinking hot chocolate or something and looking at your tree? That would be amazing. 
Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah. Oh, now, now I want to turn the fireplace on. <laughs> and it's like 57 degrees, so that's not, probably not a good idea. No. Oh, and a little girl sees him. Yeah, a little girl sees him and um, kind of tells him that he's not fat enough, and uh, he tell, says that she left him milk and cookies, and he tells her that it, he's lactose intolerant, which is important much, much later on in the film. Uh, and he tells her to go back to sleep and goes back up. He grabs a stick of celery and uses it as a fake cigar, which if you've ever seen Tim Allen's stand-up act, it's straight out of that. And flies back up, and then they continue delivering toys. He and Charlie, all night long, uh, continue delivering toys all around the world. And as they get to morning, my, one of my favorite lines comes as they fly off, and he says, you know, he delivers the end of the poem and to all a good night, and then says, in the morning, I'm getting a CAT scan. <laughs> because that's what I would do. Oh, yeah. I think that's what anyone would do, I would think. Yes. Uh, but where they end up is not home, which is what he told them to do, not Scott Calvin's house, but in the North Pole. Literally right in front of the North Pole, because the pole itself comes out of the ground. <laughs> and, and has a, a electronic uh, input device that they type 1237 on, and it takes Santa down into, I don't know... Would you call it Santa's Fortress of Solitude, Todd? Ooh. Oh, uh, may, I mean, it's his workshop. Santa's got a workshop. It, it's, I, get, I get the reference, but it's still his workshop. I can't call it his Fortress of Solitude. Well, it, it, there is no solitude. I will grant you that. But I'm just saying it's in the North Pole. It's covered in ice, and it has a secret entrance. That is true. It has other people in... Yeah. I'm going with that one, that one, Ryan. This, this is the other, the other thing that I really love about the way that... Th so I was watching this the other night with Sally, and I said, this is my favorite filmed depiction of Santa's workshop anywhere, is this movie. I would have to agree with that. Yeah, I would, I would tend to agree with that, too. It's, a very, it's very, very nice. Yes. It's, it, well, it's what you want it to be, right? Because there's... The elves are everywhere, and they're having fun, and they're building things. And not only are they building stuff, but there's like, it, they're playing with it too. And that's what you want. Like you want the elves to be happy. And like if you watch Rudolph, I bring that up again. They're they're sitting at a long wooden table hammering. They don't look very happy to me. You know, they're upset. Exactly. Wouldn't you be if you're sitting at that long gray table for? Days upon days upon years upon years, I would be in that. I would be wanting to like at least test ride the toys. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but and all the elves are portrayed by children, with the exception of the head elf Bernard, which also I think makes them more elf-like, for lack of a better term. Like it, it, that's it, it's my favorite depiction of the elves too. Yeah, absolutely. I love Judy. Who doesn't love Judy? They got some very mature kids to play the roles, which was kind of interesting. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, the speaking roles, yeah. Yeah, I think I think it's cool. I mean they, they 
they made it work, right? Because you could easily have just kids and they don't sound right and they don't look right, but the kids are able to give the attitude back to Tim Allen as well as he gives it to them. And that's what makes it work for the ones that speak. Um, the initial guy that he talks to, of course, Bernard is, a, is an older guy, uh, David Krumholtz, who plays Bernard. Uh, he's the one who sort of explains everything to uh, Scott, uh, and he shows him when he arrives this tiny inscription on the card. We talked about the card, and it had a red band on the outside. Well, it turns out that red band is actually a legal contract, which basically says that whoever puts the suit on accepts the contract of the Santa Claus with an E, which is that you will assume the identities of Santa Claus and all the responsibilities that go with it. Uh, unfortunately for Scott, he didn't read that ahead of time, but he doesn't really have much of a choice. Nor did Bernard at the time, because apparently there are some definitely holes in the Santa Claus. Because that's why we have one and two. Two and three. Indeed. Indeed. Well, they, two, they, is, two isn't about a... Two, isn't is, a, two is about, yes, the power of the clause. Well, but yeah. it's not a loophole. It's just like an. It's, well, he could have gone. He would have gone kicked out. You're not going married. This is true. It's an extension of the clause. But it's the Mrs. Clause, which is the worst thing ever. <laughs> I just want to say, it was like there's puns and then there's that. Still better than Chihuahuas. Oh, please! Beverly Hills baby people. It's true. It's true. It's. It, I would rather Santa Claus to than Santa Paws to. I'm just saying. <laughs> Already happened. <laughs> yeah, it I, just came I, out, right? Yes, I think did. three isn't three. What just came out? <laughs> oh goodness, that's that's okay. just not good. Let's not go for that theme. I'm yes, just gonna mention to, to why we're at this point that ne- next year, folks, for listener choice. Instead of doing um, regular movies, we're going to do Christmas movies only. Yes, so we can pick pick. You guys can pick them, and and I'm going to lobby Cheryl hard not to put Santa Paws three on the list. The listeners submit. We just we just we just edit it from there. All right, people, I'm begging you, no Santa Paws. That's all I'm saying. All right. I'm saying there were. Uh, trust me, right? I looked at some of the old ones. I think some of the old ones are worse than Santa Paws. <laughs> It's entirely possible. I would agree with that. Uh, so, but Bernard tells Scott he has 11 months to get things in order, and then at Thanksgiving he has to return, and he, then he is, at that point, the full-time Santa. Uh, and Scott argues with him and all these sorts of things. He walks through the toy, uh, toy department. Did anybody notice the home improvement nod in the toy department? The tool belt? Yes. <laughs> he, he picks up the tool belt and then sort of nods like shakes his head no basically like nah this isn't for me little, yeah. little not his home improvement fame <laughs> I used to love and, and he gets ushered to the bedroom by Judy the, the the elf who brings him hot chocolate shake and not stir yes indeed how old did Judy say she was she's like 900 years old or something 1200 years old my goodness well no no actually that's not even true Older than 1,200 years because she said it took her 1,200 years to get the cocoa recipe right. That's right. Yeah. And then he tells her she looks good for her age, and she said she's seen someone rapping. <laughs> yes. <laughs> awkward. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> completely, completely awkward. But uh, 
She gives him a set of, of pajamas monogrammed with SC, of course, for Santa Claus. And uh, Scott and, and Charlie go to sleep. But when they wake up, uh, they are back in Scott's house. And Scott assumes that everything was a dream. And Charlie is, meanwhile, telling uh, Neil and his mom all about their adventure in the North Pole. Uh, and, and they are nonplussed by it, of course. And Scott is still trying to figure out what's going on. Uh, and over the course of the, the next few minutes of the movie, uh, we deal with the fact that Charlie is not able to let that go. So he goes to um, he goes to bring a parent to school day or whatever you want to call it, career day, I guess, at the school. And he introduces his father as Santa Claus and tells him the whole story. And he brings out this this crystal ball, basically snow globe that Bernard had given him when they were in the North Pole, and shows everybody that. You know, the elves gave him that and tells everyone that his dad is Santa Claus. And Scott tries to cover it up and say, well, because I work at a toy company, I'm like Santa Claus, but uh, Charlie's not going for it. Uh, And he and Neil and Charlie's mom get called into the principal's office to discuss this, which I think leads to some of the best sarcasm from from Tim Allen throughout the movie. Because they grill him on what he did with with Charlie on Christmas Eve. And, and he's talking about, well, what did, what did you guys do before you went to bed? And he's basically talking about, well, we drank brown liquor, funneled sugar. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little awkward, yeah. It was awkward, but it was funny. Yeah, with a straight face. I mean, you can't beat that. <laughs> yes. And he just uh, rattles it off, though. That's That's the other half of it, right? Yes. Yes, he does. Uh, but but so there's that, and then later, and then the next part is uh, Charlie is seen in his room by his mom. He has set up the chairs in his room to pretend that he is riding the sleigh. He has his door uh, with a it's covered, and it says you know North Pole South. So this whole first part is about how Charlie is not not accepting what's going on uh, as it, that it wasn't real, which is what uh, Scott has tried to tell him. His parents have tried to tell him. Uh, and so Scott takes him out for a walk and tries to explain to him that, that you know what happened in the North Pole was not was just a dream. But he ends up not being able to do that. He starts to say there's no, and before he can say Santa Claus, he changes to say there's no reason for us to tell your mom and Neil about this. And he you know says he'll give him five bucks not to say anything else about it. <laughs> Uh, but the kicker is when they're walking away, like you mentioned earlier, Todd, they're in the Toronto Zoo. And the reindeer are following Scott. So not so much with the just a dream part. <laughs> I totally missed that. Yeah, the the reindeer, that's that's why the Charlie keeps looking back over his shoulder. He's giggling while his father's talking to him. And then he's like, yeah, dad. And of course, all the reindeer are following them. Uh, you know what? I think I saw it. The first time I, I saw the film and a few times after that, but, yeah. you know, this past week when I watched it, I didn't even notice. Wow. Yeah, well, Ryan, you kind of combined, like, there's twice that he goes to tell Charlie. Yeah, no, you're right, you're right. Yeah, yes. he goes to tell him before, and then there's this whole conversation, because then we skip the space-time continuum conversation. Cause, oh. Because there's this hysterical conversation where... where between Neil, and Neil, yes. Between Neil and Charlie, where he's look, Neil's like, 
on got a Santa on the globe, and he's like, "How does one man go to all the homes around the world?" And he goes, "Well, really, only like you know, a few million people in the world believe in Santa Claus because of their." <laughs> he goes on through this whole thing, like no matter what he says, he the the um, Charlie there always has something to say. Right. Yes. Charlie has an answer for everything. Which he's yeah. probably right. I mean, he is right. Absolutely. I mean, he is proven right completely. Because Santa is real. Totally. He is. He is. Totally, totally. But so it's important to note, like, the movie doesn't do a very good job of showing that time is passing. You know what I mean? Like, it's not, there's nothing that tells us that this is all happening over the course of a year, but it is. Because once they, once they, um, they get the Charlie issue behind them. The next thing we see is that Scott wakes up and he has gained a lot of weight. His hair has gotten a little whiter, and or he's and he's grown facial hair. So he manages to shave, and he goes to work. The problem is none of his clothes fit him anymore, so he's in these tight-fitting sweatpants. And he goes into a meeting with his boss, Peter Boy, who's played by Peter Boyle, who is woefully underused in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, agree. incredible comedian who has like just straight lines. Well, he's a he's an old friend of Tim Allen, so that, I think that's yeah. probably part of why he was in the movie. But still, if you're going to have Peter Boyle, I I'm not disagreeing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but he goes into the meeting and everyone's ordering, and I I swear to you, I've been in this meeting. Everyone's ordering like a salad with dressing on the side or, you know, pasta, light on the oil or whatever. And and Scott orders a salad with dressing on the side. But then he goes on to order, you know, cookies and cheesecake and a hot fudge sundae. <laughs> I, I have a possible conspiracy theory. Yes. Okay, so in the, in our, the Santa Claus, he was the boss. But in two and three, he was Father Time. I was wondering if he was time traveling. Interesting. Maybe mm. he was. So yes, he has gained all this weight. I mean, he goes to the he goes to the doctor after a while to see what's going on because he's gained the weight and he shaves and he's growing a full beard. Twenty four hours later, uh, doesn't know what's going on there. Uh, meanwhile, he goes to watch Charlie's soccer game. And he's just sitting on the bench. He's fully shaved and everything, but he's wearing a red shirt, a red sweatshirt over his white T-shirt. And he's watching Charlie play soccer, and this girl sneaks up on him and just plops down in his lap <laughs> and starts telling him what he wants for – telling him what she wants for Christmas. Yes. <laughs> and then a line forms. <laughs> yeah. And by the way, when then when Mom and Neil show up, they 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 go over and they see there's a line of kids over there. They're they're very concerned because they think he's he's delusional. Meanwhile, standing right behind him is another elf. Oh, which I find interesting because it's it's not one of those things you're going to notice unless you're looking for it. Mm-hmm. See that again? See, it's there like he's are... in this film. Oh yeah. There, there is a hidden Mickey in the film. There yeah. is. In the, very, in the very beginning, yes. And and in the middle, there's one, too. Yep. That's so cool. As they're flying around the sleigh, there's, there's a hidden Mickey. There you go. Uh, 
Oh, also, uh, um, Scott's heartbeat was uh, Jingle Bells. We should make mention of that as well. Oh, yes, yeah. The, the scene where he's getting checked out by the doctor is hysterical. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it is pretty pretty fantastic. And but they're they're very concerned about this transformation, right? Like that he's actually gained weight, and then he's got a beard. Um, I, we did not mention that the list got delivered to his house. It so did the 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 infamous list that he has to check twice, uh, and he picks up the first page, which includes Andre Agassi and Armand Asante. <laughs> And as he's as he's walking down the street, he notes which which children are nice and naughty, which is pretty fabulous. That's a power I would like, by the way. If you're doling out minor superpowers, that's one I would take. Yeah, I think that'd be neat. I agree, but so Neil is very concerned, right? And and his uh, Laura. It goes along with this, uh, Charlie's mom, that that Scott is encouraging Charlie's delusions and that Scott himself is delusional. So they go to court to get Scott's right to visit Charlie taken away because Charlie goes in and tells the judge basically the whole truth of what happened in the North Pole and all that sort of thing. And they cut Scott's visitation rights. So Scott is sort of at his lowest point, even though he's dressed in a bright red Christmas sweater, which I found odd. He's, he's down in the dumps wearing a bright red Christmas sweater with white reindeer on it. That seems to be difficult to do, but he does it. He can pull it off. Yeah. Uh, but he goes to visit Charlie on Thanksgiving. That's one of the days he's supposed supposedly allowed to do so. Uh, and he goes to visit Charlie. Charlie keeps insisting that, you know, no, you are Santa dad. You know, this is, this is you are Santa and he, he brings out the snow globe and shows him and lo- makes him look at it. And that's when Scott finally starts accepting that he is indeed Santa Claus. Yay. And all, of a, all of a sudden, Bernard shows up and starts eating uh, Neil's food. <laughs> <laughs> it, and it's like just a pita full of alfalfa. No, no, that's the next time he shows up to eat Neil's food. The first time he shows up on Thanksgiving, he eats the turkey. Oh, you're right. You're right. He's eating the turkey. I forgot that. You're right. Yes. No, that's a, it's a theme with Bernard. He shows up and he starts eating the food. Well, I don't yeah. really have a problem with that. No, not at all. But he, it, the, the, the issue is that they, they, he teleports Scott and Charlie back to the North Pole. So he basically, Charlie, it seems like Scott came in and kidnapped Charlie. And so while they are walking through the North Pole, figuring out, getting ready for Christmas, uh, Neil and Laura are contacting police because they, they fear he's been kidnapped and they're setting up a sting to capture Scott when he comes back. Uh, what I love, though, about the, the juxtaposition of these two things, like we keep seeing what's happening with Neil and Laura trying to find Charlie and then what's happening in the North Pole. I love the, the scenes with Quentin, who is the lead designer, I guess, or the art head of research and development in the North Pole, which is an obvious nod to Q from James Bond. Yes, <laughs> I just love the idea that J- that Santa has a cue. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. Really? No, it's it's pretty cool. I, my favorite is like as they're going through all the stuff. Scott keeps asking, "What about falling off a roof? Yeah. What about falling off a roof? <laughs> <laughs> because he's 
he's seen it happen. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah. Yes, uh, and, and who who ends up fixing that for him, Todd? Uh, Comet. That's right. Comet gives him a rope that he can tie to himself to make sure he does not fall down the roof. Although I'm not sure how that would work, how he can go down the chimney while tied to the rope. So at this point, they think that Scott's kidnapped Charlie. Yep. Right? And they, so they bring this detective guy in, right? And the detective guy is our Star Wars connection. What? He is. He he did the voice of a character in Clone Wars called named Brick. Uh, he was the trainer with I I I can only describe as the big brain. Like when the clone troopers are going through their training session, and they brought in some guys to train him. He's one of the trainers. He trains. I think pretty sure he trains the fives, of uh, fives or whatever the, the people will know what I'm talking about. That's yes. cool. Yeah. Very so. cool. And I like also that Charlie calls home, and he mentions that they're trying to achieve vertical takeoff and landing with the sleigh. <laughs> yeah. Which is awesome. It really is awesome. Well, like, we, we, we were joking at the beginning of the episode, like, when Charlie, when they leave in the sleigh for Christmas Eve to start delivering presents, Charlie's going with him. And Charlie made all kinds of upgrades to the sleigh, like the hot cocoa and cookie dispenser, or the CD. Oh my goodness, I love that so much. I want it in my life. Seriously. It's it's beautiful. But they they do manage to, to go back and on Christmas Eve as Scott is making his deliveries, he comes to Neil and Laura's home, which seems like a mistake to me. I would think he would be smarter than that. That was my biggest uh, plot issue with the whole film. Like, I think he knows because he's Santa that he might not need to go there. Not to mention that the person he's delivering the toys to is in the sleigh with him. I think he has a plan, though. You think so? Yeah. I do think he has a plan. Also, he goes and he sees the same little girl again in the other house. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Which I I thought was a cute touch that it, like, you know, they kind of played back to that. I like when movies do stuff like that. They don't forget things. Well, that's what I say. Like this movie definitely has an attention to detail because there's nothing that's not called back, or little like we said, little details of like the Santas hidden everywhere, the elves all over the place. I mean, there's 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 depth to it in that way. In, even if there's not like a huge amount of like character growth and that sort of a thing. But he gets captured by the police at Laura and Neil's house, taken to jail, and that is when they. The elves from the North Pole call in the ELFS, the Elite Liberating Flight Squad. Yes. That's the cheesiest part of the movie. I don't think it was that bad. It's cute, but it's sort of cheesy compared to the rest of it, I guess. Which is all relative, considering we're talking about a movie where a guy puts on a Santa suit and becomes Santa Claus. Because I mean, we all, know the, we all know the real Santa Claus has been around for years and years and years. Right. Except I mean, for that year when they were without a Santa Claus. Right. Oh. I remember that from the from the show. Yes. Yeah. I hated that so much. That's a sad documentary. It really is. It really is. But the the ELFS managed to break Scott from jail with Charlie's help, and they go back to Laura and Neil's house again. 
probably not the best idea, but if he did have a plan, Todd, I can see where you're coming from there. Uh, but he goes back and finally convinces Laura and Neil who he actually is. Uh, and this is when Bernard shows up and starts eating the pita. <laughs> yep. So they, they manage to come up, come back uh, and convince Laura and Neil, and they manage to accept Scott, uh, and, they, and he flies away in his sleigh outside over the police, over all the kids who have gathered around because they saw him being dragged out of the house by the, when he was initially arrested. Uh, so they had been waiting to see him come back. He comes back and gets in the sleigh and flies off, uh, and everybody is, is happy and that, that Santa is in, in good shape. Uh, Charlie manages to call him back one more time using the magic snow globe just because he missed his dad uh, and then takes a ride in the sleigh as Laura yells at him when he flies away. You, you forgot that he gives Laura and Neil the gifts that they never got. He does, yes. Gives them the mystery date for Laura and the weenie whistle, the Oscar Mayer weenie whistle for Neil. <laughs> which says a lot, I'm just saying. That scene chokes me up too, of course, because... I always wanted an easy bake oven, so I just imagine standing there like an easy bake oven flying on a parachute like through the air into my arms. How awesome would that be? Sorry. It's my corny moment. Yeah. But I mean it all ends well and, and and we get all kinds of answers about Santa. Yeah. Yeah. It's a great movie. I agree. I mean, it's 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 just a fun movie. Like, it's not one that you would take seriously. It's not one of those films that you, you know, it's not like um, uh, It's a Wonderful Life that has a profound message about the world to it. You know what I mean? It's just a fun Christmas movie that's got a lot of humor and heart to it. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. For me, and it's like of- Polar Express, where it shows you. Yeah. yeah. it's real, you know? And lots of hidden elves. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Oh. All right. So shall we rate uh, the Santa Claus? Oh, actually, I wanted, to, I wanted to ask a question before we rate it. Is that okay? Sure. You, you, you can ask whatever you'd like, sir. So, so here's the thing, right? I, I was reading this uh, I did, not just in one place but in a few places where people bring up this question, so I thought it would be fun to bring up on the show. And that is that, um, you know, a lot of people feel that this is the uh, definitive Christmas tale of the modern era, right? In terms of in terms of you know movies that last you figure twenty to twenty five years. Yeah. Okay. Right. I mean, are how, how do you guys feel about that? I mean, basically, it's because today, right, is most people this is how they see Santa Claus. It's a good point. I, see, I love this movie because it has a very cozy, homey feel about it. There's so many modern Christmas films that don't have that touch anymore. Yep. And that's why I love the Santa Claus because you can just go back to it, and I, you know, I feel like a little girl watching it again. But, um, so I, I don't know because I feel like the definitive modern film is much less classy. If that makes sense, I'm not saying this film has a lot of class in a way, but it's. Films nowadays are not as intricate, even as they were back in the 90s, I think, a lot of them. I don't know. Yes, I would completely agree with that. I, I, think, I think it depends on the person, because for me, this is, a, this is a Christmas film that 
that is even though even though some of the the styles and things are sort of dated it it's it's very feels very timeless like it, it almost feels to me like it, it's nowhere near as good as this but it feels like a callback to miracle on 34th street yeah absolutely you know um so it's not something i would say like when you say it's a modern defining modern interpretation i would i almost go to the point of it is in that it was released there but in in practice, it's much more like an old Christmas movie than than some of the new stuff you see. I mean, frankly, where where I agree with you is there hasn't been a Christmas film released since then that I would say is even in contention with the possible exception of what Brie mentioned, The Polar Express. Because for my kids, between that and Elf, they're way higher on the list than this. I've never seen Elf. I have to do that. What do you think, Todd? Um, no, I, I kind of just I, I'll go back to what I said. I mean, I think visually, this is a very, very you know standard you know Coca Cola company type of Santa Claus, right? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, I really feel that way. Which it's like the reason why I say that, folks, is because basically the the Santa that comes from the Coca Cola commercials is like the is the quintessential Santa you know image. So, um, and I, I feel that they really, really stuck to that and stuck to their guns on that. Um, you know, like I said, it's got, it's got this gritty angle that makes it very interesting, but it's not as sweet as, you know, he's not as sweet as Chris is in Miracle on 34th Street. Yes, true. Okay. You know, uh, it, so it, it's different, but I think it, from my point of view, it's not so much that it's it's necessarily a quintessential movie. It's just more that it it very much fits the way society is today much better. Yeah. Right. You have a fairly normal person thrust into this situation. He kind of rolls with it, but stays fairly normal. Yeah, that makes. Sense. That's all. That's how I feel. Yeah, I I I can see where you're coming from with that. I, I would defi- I definitely think, like I said, the three that I mentioned, this one, this one, Elf, and the Polar Express are the ones that, of the last, gosh, what's it been? That's 18 years since this came out? Is that right? Uh, 94. Yeah, uh, so in the time since this has come out, those are the three that, that have actually stood the test of time. But as far as a depiction of Santa, you're right, this is the one. This is what people think of when they think of Santa Claus. I think your your description of the Coca-Cola Santa Claus, that's exactly that's exactly it. And here's where I disagree with you guys. I actually think the 94 um, remake of the Thir- Miracle on 34th Street, that Santa's better than this. The, the Santa is better than this. But the difference is the relationship. See, on Miracle 34th Street, we're not worrying about the relationships of the relationships of the people involved to have relationships. Here, it's here, it's the father-son relationship, which then changes the next movie, then changes, and then the relationship changes again. Um, but so, so we move from. This great family-oriented relationship 
to this, like, extended... I'll use the word extended family, because that's what happens in the sequels, folks. Um, <laughs> is the extended family relationships, whereas in Miracle Before Thurston, the focus is Santa. And yeah. then the the people around Santa have relationships. And, you know, and that's what changes in that. I I think... He's more the quiz. He's more the Coca Cola Santa than than Tim Allen Santa is. Yeah, I think my problem with that that remake, to be honest with you, is I don't feel like it needed to be made, so I hold a grudge against it. But I agree with your point of that that the look of that Santa and the attitude of that Santa is much more in line with with what we traditionally think of than 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 Scott Calvin at the beginning of this one. But I, but us going into the digital age, I don't. I'm not sure we're gonna see another Santa movie. Like I was joking with Todd, the next Santa Claus movie could be because in this movie, Charlie says he's gonna take over the business someday. So the next Santa Claus could be Charlie's taking over. Yeah. Yeah. Could be. So that that that's where they could go with this, and they could. You know, bring it, bring it back to home. Yep. And and it would be a perfect. You know, I I believe the kid is perfect age for them to do something like that. Yeah, I you could. It's true. How old would he be now? He'd probably be in his early thirties, right? Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. I like it, Todd. You started a great discussion, sir. Thank you. Uh, shall we shall we rate the movie then? Yeah, let's Everyone roll. Up. All right, Bree, I'm gonna let you go first. All right. Um. So as I said, this makes me feel like a little girl again. Um, like the five year old girl I was when this first came out. It just makes me happy. Um, it makes me feel cozy and homey and happy to be with my family on Christmas. Um. As I said, I don't think that any other actor could have portrayed this role as perfectly as Tim Allen did. Fantastic line delivery by the whole cast, including the kid. He was spectacular. Um, it's just a fun film. And like Ryan said, you don't take it seriously like it's a wonderful life. Um, I don't even take it as seriously as I do Polar Express. And yes, I do take that film seriously. Um, but, you know, it's... It's cute, and it's, it's fun to watch over the holidays. And I'm going to give it... Uh, um, I'm going to give it a four. All right, a four from Bree. Cheryl, what'd you think? Well, after seeing, you know, one, two, three, and now going back to one again, um, if I have to... Am I ring? Uh, so I have a different ring system than you guys, because if it was... I would just say it's a Christmas movie one, but I'm not going to do this. I'm going to read verses one, two, and three. And verses one, two, and three, I give it a three and a half. That's fair enough. I understand. I, I get where you're coming from. All right. Todd? My turn, huh? Um, yeah. So... I like it. I think it's a very cute movie. Um, you know, it's not it's not over the top silly. It's got good humor in it. Um, it's fun to watch. 
it's cute to watch. So, um, but you know, it's not like a not it's not like a knock it out of the park kind of thing. It's just something like people are probably really comfortable watching. So for me, it's a three. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. I, I think your I think your description's spot on. Like for me, it's comfort food. You know what I mean? Like, and because I would give it a three as well. Um, and I really really enjoy it. There's just not a lot of like I said. There's not a lot of depth to it. There's tons of of cool details and it's fun to watch, but it's not something that uh, like I watch it once a year and uh, there are other Christmas movies like elf or holiday Inn that I'll watch two or three times during this time of year. This is one I watch once and I really enjoy it and I giggle at it and then I'm done with it. Um, but it's, it's so much fun to come back to every year. You know, it's one of those things that I like to come back and, and, and see. So, uh, I will also give it a three. So I think we're settling between a three and a four here, right? Yeah. That's good. All right. So if you guys disagree, if you are full-on Santa Claus lovers or if you can't believe uh, Tim Allen as Santa Claus, let us know about it. Uh, tweet us at Diz Film Project. Go on Facebook, Disney Film Project, and let us know. Or you can go over to the website. We still have those these days, as well as social media, uh, DisneyFilmProject.com. And the show notes will be right there, and you can let us know what you think of the Santa Claus. So uh, until next week, folks, we will talk to you later, and happy holidays. Can we take a direct flight back to reality, or do we have to change planes in Denver? Stay away from those things. They're reindeer. You don't know where they've been. Well, isn't that a pretty picture? Santa rolling down the block in a panzer. Well, kids, I, I certainly hope you've been good this year because it looks like Santa just took out the Pearson home. Incoming! It's soy milk. 